podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening, welcome to a very, very special Spurs show, live from the Coachmaker's Arms in Marlebone. Thank you for joining us, thank you for downloading at home, a very special uh, recording for you. Please welcome my co-host, Mr. Theo Delaney. Good evening. And uh, finally, uh, a very, very special guest, a man we've been wanting to get on the show for a long, long time. And uh, because he's got a wonderful new book out uh, entitled Upfront, those of you here in the room, you can get it at the back, courtesy of Primrose Hills Books. You can go and buy it now. And those of you at home, I urge you to go online now, get this wonderful autobiography. It really is one of the finest uh, football autobiographies I've read in a long, long time. Please welcome ex-player, coach and manager for Tottenham. Okay, admittedly one gay, but he was. It's in the record books. He managed Tottenham. England International, PFA and Football Writers Player of the Year. I always get this bit wrong. 135 appearances for Spurs. That sound about right? Correct. 85 goals. That's right. Thank you very much, Mr. Clive Allen. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us, Clive. Uh, firstly, let's, let's start at the beginning, because obviously you grew up in a famous footballing family. Um, so growing up and developing as a footballer, in hindsight, do you think the background you had, do you think it helped you or actually hindered you? Oh, it helped me massively. And the, the, the start, and I have to go back to Wembley, 1961. Mm. Six of the wives were heavily pregnant, one of which was my mum. Right. So I was in mum's tum at Wembley when Spurs won the double. Wow. Brilliant. That's wow. Amazing. That's amazing. So I've always said it was meant to be. Wow. That's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's right. And obviously nine months before, somewhere, they'd had a very, very good result. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't worked and it back I and was. tried to work out what it was? Uh, well, away to Wolves I, or I something? I it wasn't an away game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I've always said, uh, obviously, I was, I, I was there. I was yeah. there. I was, I was kicking around in Mum's tum when, uh, when, I, and I, I grew up listening to it. Yeah. The greatest Spurs team ever. Yeah. Um, obviously, the stories that that Dad told, the great Bill Nicholson, the players he played with, um, yeah. and destiny. My destiny was fulfilled in 1984 when I when I joined the club. Yeah. But I mean, it's funny because again, in, in, you know, the book early on, you, you you keep coming back to that word destiny. And you actually played there. Was it sort of? Um, it was this London schools match. You were fourteen, absolutely. absolutely. And you played against Bristol. Bristol schools. And yeah. A young Gary Mabbott was playing wow. for Bristol schools. A year young because he was a year right. younger than my age group. And his brother Kevin, who Kevin, was a very yeah, good player himself, centre forward. But we turned up at White Hart Lane in the dressing rooms as the home team, London schools, and Bristol turned up with the same colour kit. Right. So what happened was the kit man went to the kit storeroom and pulled out the obviously the youth team's right. Spurs kit wow. so there I was 14 the white kit just blue, the cockerel blue cockerel yeah, 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 yeah. blue shorts white socks and we managed to thrash Bristol City uh, Bristol School sorry yeah. not Bristol City Bristol yeah. Schools 
And um, again, destiny, I scored a hat-trick. Well, that's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? That's incredible, you know. Um, we're going to talk about some of your early career, not just your Tottenham career. We can't get through all the clubs you played for after Tottenham because there was, there was a, lot. a few. <laughs> there was a few, including Carlisle. Uh, so, I mean, you started as apprentice at QPR, but presumably there were other offers at the time. What made you initially choose QPR to become an apprentice at? Well, uh, the, the, the three clubs that it came down to was Ipswich, the right. great Bobby Robson wanted me to sign there. Wow. I did go there as a schoolboy and train. Tottenham Hotspur, I trained at Tottenham and Peter Shreves was one of the right. young coaches at that time. Um, Mark Falco was in the same year group as me, so trained with the, with the schoolboys mm. um, uh, uh, and Queen's Park Rangers. Obviously, my father had played, managed at Queen's Park mm. Rangers, knew Jim Gregory, the chairman there. And my dad, in, the, in his way, looked at the situation and Queen's Park Rangers was a very, very good club at that time mm. for like mid, mid 70s I'm trying to work yeah out. But, but an aging team right and we looked at it he discussed it with me and I have to say I grew up at QPR from mm. six years of age my grandfather took me there to watch my father play it was like a second home to me right. I was there every every other week other times at training with dad um, and was very very comfortable there and and when they when they they, they offered my, my, obviously the, the schoolboy uh, forms I signed and I didn't sign until I was 14 years of age right. which was in those days was a little unusual because young players would sign 12 13 right. schoolboy forms which then tied you into actually a, the possibility of an apprenticeship so where were the family living was it far away no or? we were east side of London always right, okay. always the east side of London which was where we you know, so I, I had to travel. And right. I travelled across London on the Central Line every day to right. to, to start my career as, as an yeah. apprentice. Um, but the plan was that if I was good enough, if it went well through the through the youth team, through the reserves, that I may get a, an early opportunity because a number of the the QPR first team at that time were thirty thirty plus, um, and it and it worked well. You made your debut for QPR. 78-79 season. Remind the listeners of some of the players that, when you made your debut, were playing for QPR. We had, we had a fantastic team. Frank McClintock, Dave Webb, Jerry wow. Francis, Stan Bowles, Don <laughs> Givens was an Irish international. It was, yeah. a, it was a top team. Dave yeah. Thomas, a, an, an international winger. Gillard. Um, Ian Gillard, left-back. Dave Don Clement, Masson. Don Masson. Phil Parks, who was in goal, Parks, yeah. who my dad signed from Walsall, ironically. Oh, really? Um, yeah, wow. and I broke in. I broke into that team. The great Tommy Doherty was the was the manager, and he, he just said to me, uh, "You're playing tomorrow." Wow! And, uh, and as a as how, a, old, how old were 17. you? Seventeen. Seventeen. Wow! Yeah. In that team, I wow. mean, because yeah. that team was <laughs> literally one of the best teams in the seventies, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, it was a team that should have won the league in the mid seventies. It, it, it nearly did. Yeah. Seventy five. It, 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 yeah. it, it was pipped. It was pipped by Liverpool. Liverpool yeah. um, and uh, a, a wonderful team. Don Masson, a great Scottish yeah. midfield player. Yeah. But a, a, again, it was a great education for me yeah. as, a, as a young player coming through as an apprentice. You know, they they were top players who made sure. And they knew they knew me that I, I was son of Les, yeah. as they, as they yeah. frequently reminded me. <laughs> right, yeah. um, and it, 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 it wasn't easy. It and was there's, some, there's some real characters in that squad as well. I mean, yeah. Bowles and Shanks. Sta- what, Stan, a ju- what a duo! What, what a what a pair! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, on, on and off the field. Yeah, yeah. more more. I mean, Bowles was like one of the greatest players you, you'll ever see on his day, wasn't he? Stan Bowles. I don't think Stan Bowles was recognised for mm. for the. the 
in terms of playing for England yeah. as many times as he should have done. Yeah. And and basically, when I got into the side as a young striker and myself and Paul Goddard, yeah. we came through the ranks, youth ranks together. We we were we Tommy Douglas put us in as the strikers. Stan dropped back into a into a, a, a midfield position. He was one of the best passers. Glenn, Glenn Hoddle was the best passer yeah. of all anybody could ever play with. Yeah. But Stan Bowles run him a close second. He yeah. was a fantastic was passer. Astonishingly and for me as a young player, a great provider of yeah. passes and chances. Yeah. I mean, your scoring record wherever you went is, 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 I mean, the stats are there is extraordinary. I mean, your first one and a half seasons at QPR, the first team, you scored 34 goals in 55 games, which is incredible. Why do you think even at such a young age, scoring came really easily for you? Um, I, th- I think it was it, again. It was it was the education I had, the the, the things that Dad taught me, um, getting in the right positions. Um, obviously, you know, practicing, honing your skills, mm. making sure that when chances come your way, you you were mm. able to take them, having that confidence to do mm. that. And and he, he the one thing he taught me very early, and and as my career panned out, it proved right. You know, if you score goals, people will take a chance on you. People right. look at your yeah. goal-scoring record. It might not be the type of footballer you are, but if you score goals consistently, mm. they everybody needs they a goal-scorer. You can't ignore them. You're like, yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he might not play this way, or he might not be yeah. the yeah. quickest, he might not do this, but uh, his goal-scoring record is pretty good. Yeah. So. I mean, you then sort of... I mean, even if you were a football fan, I remember it vividly. You came into national recognition when you became the first one million pound teenage player ever, which turned out to be still to this day one of the most bizarrest yeah. transfers in football history. Where you joined Arsenal, no, I was waiting for that. Only sixty-three and then, days, and I didn't yeah, play I a game for them. Yeah. No. Come on, That's it. the mean, only, the mean, only just... forgivable Arsenal for that... transfer of all time. Yeah, it's very true. But so t- it's May, the end of the season. Tommy Doherty, yeah. the phone rings at home. Tommy Doc's on the phone. He says, "Clive, you're going to a great club." Uh, you weren't looking to get leave, were you? No, presumably? you no. barely. Yeah, I'm 18. Who is it? It's <laughs> it's the boss. It's the doc. Oh, okay, boss. Where am I going? You're going to Arsenal, to a great club. Obviously, a club that he played for. Right. Pitched up, met Terry Neal, Don Howe's then coach. Mm-hmm. Um, three, four year contract. They paid £1.25 million. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Front page news. Front page news. Yeah, yeah the, it was. It was. The game's gone crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. It was. What? Well, it's, it's seen, well, I couldn't yeah. pay that much money for an 18 year old. For an 18 year old. I mean, it's a. I've I got, mean, the goal-scoring record was there in fairness. You're talking about, you know, you look at anyone, you're going to be noticed if you're scoring goals. You were banging in goals in a very good side. Yeah, so you know. five weeks later, having had the summer off, obviously signed in the May, reported for pre-season training, mm. did the pre-season, went away to a pre-season tournament, and uh, first game, there I was, playing on the right wing. Yeah. Who was there? Who were the strikers then? Was it Sunderland? Alan, Alan Sunderland and Frank Stapleton. Stapleton, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I formed a, a, again a press thing, mm. the SAS. SAS. <laughs> SAS. It never worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, when when you then were moved on, I mean, what 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 do they say to you? I mean, it's it's just. So you I got another phone call, did you? Saying no, it's no. The boss. We, we returned from a tournament in Yugoslavia. We played in Belgrade. We right. played Vasco da Gama from Brazil and uh, Red Star Belgrade. Vasco on the Saturday, Red Star on the Sunday. Returned to London on the Monday. 
and I had no idea as we so go. So you're playing wide. So you're 18. You're thinking, you know, it's try. They're trying different things out. You must be going. When are you going to put me where? Why well, you bought me? Where, where mm. I started my career, yeah. where I've scored the goals, yeah. and, and uh, you just get that feeling. This, this something's not right here. It's not, right. And as I got off the plane at Heathrow Airport, walking through on the press stands, were the back page news was Arsenal are going to swap. Alan really? And that's the first you knew of it. That was the first. Wow. Yeah, got home, said to dad, what do you think? <laughs> what have you heard? So this is Monday, Tuesday, yeah. drove into training to, the, uh, to Colney, to Arsenal's training ground. And as I arrived, walked into the, the office and Don Howe, Terry Neal wasn't there as manager. Don Howe says, you've got to go back to Highbury to see the manager. And I thought, now you're thinking. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> so, something's happening here yeah. because first you're going to train. It's, it's yeah. now the Tuesday before the first game of the season on the Saturday. Yeah. And he's telling me to go back to the ground to see the manager. Went back to Highbury, stopped and called dad as I would. You know, he was, he, he was, he was the one who was going to advise yeah. me. Stopped, phone box, phoned him. <laughs> dad, I've been sent back to the stadium, got to see Terry Neal. Well, just see what he says. Yeah. And all he said to me was, just tell him you're not going anywhere. So I walk in. I'm 18. How long was the contract? You signed four a years. Four year contract. Yeah. So I walk in the office, right. thinking Terry Neal, the manager, is going to say to me, "Look, you've probably seen all this speculation. It's, it's all rubbish. Just yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, get yeah. your head down, get on with it." Walked in. He said to me, uh, "Clive, you've probably read the papers." I said, well, yeah, I have, boss. Well, he said, um, "Well, it's true." <laughs> said uh, we need we need Kenny Sanson. The only way we can do that deal is that you go to Arsenal. We go. We want to, to trade. Uh, sorry, to Palace. We want to mm. trade you, um, and I and I then again with that fortunate advice, just said, "I'm not going anywhere." Brilliant. Yeah, really Eighteen. Just, just yeah, yeah, but, but that's where yeah. that's where you talk that's about that about influence. That advice, that's where yeah. I was lucky. Yeah. And he said, well, "What do you mean you're not going anywhere?" <laughs> so I said, "Well, I've signed a four-year deal. Four year I'm deal. not going anywhere." Yeah. He said, uh, "Well, and and again, things happen, and this is football, and this is experiences to me. Well, you won't be playing Saturday." And they were at West Brom. Arsenal were at West Brom on the opening day of the season. On the Saturday, you won't be playing. And I don't know what possessed me, but I said to him, Terry, I said, uh, you've just paid 1.25 million for me, made me the first million pound footballer as a teenager. Do you think the Arsenal supporters are going to like that? <laughs> did you say that? Did you say that? I did say that, yeah. Did really? I did. And he looked at me, he said, you won't be playing. Wow. So I said, what do you want me to do? He said, you can do what you want. So I, I left, got in the car, drove back to the training ground and trained. shaking? I mean, I'd just be like... Um, no, I wasn't, actually. No? To be honest, I wasn't. And I, I remember it vividly. Yeah. And then the Wednesday, or Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I got the call from Terry. Right. Ironically, my father had signed Terry Venables wow. from Tottenham to Queen's Park Rangers right. when he was manager. So he knew Terry. They lived in the same road in Dagnum. So they, we knew the family, we knew... Right. Terry just said to my dad, I want Clive to come and play for us. And the only way we can do that deal is if uh, we let Kenny go to Arsenal. Wow. So the Wednesday I went, spoke to the manager at the training ground, said, right, I'll go and speak to Terry Venables, um, but I'm not going anywhere as far <laughs> as I'm... So he said, yeah, we want you to do that, go and speak to Terry. Met Terry in London, and the only, his, his sales pitch was, well, do you want to come and play for me or not? And that yeah. was it. And, I, and my dad, I remember my dad saying to him, Terry, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. yeah. And he went, Les, don't worry about it. 
I want Clive to come and play for us, which was Crystal Palace team in the 80s. Yeah. We played at Anfield, Liverpool, opening day of the season, champions, team in the 80s. Yeah. We were 2-0 down after 15 minutes. Mm. Having not, I did not get a kick. You mm. just don't get a kick at Anfield in those days mm, like yeah. you do nowadays. Mm, yeah. And Arsenal went to West Brom. What do you reckon the score was? 1-0. <laughs> Incredible. But that... And, and that was oh. that was my memories of it and, and what happened. But I mean, your so you're at Palace, then, then your home debut, you scored a hat trick against Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, that was my. So he hit the ground running, and then Terry left. Well, I mean, yeah. you have a great start. You've Arsenal. Well, QPR was great. Arsenal, and then Palace was sort of all sort of imploding Palace, as Palace well. Palace was crazy because there was financial things. Raymond Bloy, the chairman, was trying to sell the club. Terry left after three yeah. months, three but months. he left. He left the team in the eighties, and all of that team was a very young team, mm. developed through the um, through the youth team into the first team, and you know, great things were expected. And all of a sudden, Terry left, who mm. was a who was a father figure to a lot of those players. Um, and I always say, I grew up. Very very quickly <laughs> over that over that period that wow. year from being too right eighteen year old transfer uh, Crystal Palace and then a year to the day that I'd left Queens Park Rangers I was back there and Terry Venables was the Good manager. Terry went, that's right. Yeah, and so you were and you're only nineteen when you come back. Presumably. I was nineteen. Back it's crazy, and you've yeah. had, you've had like you've had what a CV at the age I've, of nineteen. I've had two million pound transfers. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, I've got children, you know. Up uh, nineteen and seventeen, the idea of of, a, of a, one of them being yeah, in that situation, that. those amounts of money, and having conversations <laughs> like that with people of that you know stature, yeah. and, it's well, just astonishing. A lot, there's a lot of people who will know. I got in the car having signed for Crystal Palace, and my dad looked at me and and I said, "Dad, like, what do you think?" He went, "Son, you've just won the pools." Yeah. And that presumably is why he said to you, whatever you do, just tell him so, you're yeah, not Yeah, I'm on the contract. I'm on the contract. Play right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's got to work both ways. Yeah, yeah. but it was, it, it was, it, I, as I say, I grew up rapidly over, yeah. that, over that period. It's amazing. And then you went, obviously, to QPR, Terry Venables. That was the year of the famous plastic pitch. Yeah. Do you remember how much that ball Yeah, bounced? we didn't have any advantage with that. <laughs> 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 there was... No, we had a good team. We had a better away record than That's we did. Right. And any QPR yeah. fan will tell you that. Yes. They had a they had yeah. a car sticker saying uh, plastic or grass QPR are class. That's right. That's what they yeah. had. Because no, they won we, more games away than at home. But, but I mean we, that that season, I mean obviously we'll talk about the FA Cup final against Do we Tottenham. have to? Well, yeah, we have to. I mean it was incredible. I mean to have a whirlwind and then you end up there FA Cup final. But in that cut run when you obviously got to the final against Tottenham, the game that stands out for me I know everyone talk, I know I've got lots of QPR mates. They all yeah, talk about the West Brom, scored the goal at Highbury. Yeah. But the one that stands out, and I've urged anyone here listening at home, go to YouTube because you can see it. It's the quarterfinal against Crystal Palace. Yeah, it had to be, right? didn't it? Yeah, where you scored the winner. And your goal celebration is the precursor of the infamous Adebayor goal celebration. Yeah, he copied me. For Arsenal, uh, sorry, for Man City against Arsenal when he ran the left of the pitch. And I didn't realise when I looked, watched it again last week, I didn't realise how nuts it is, the jumping up and down, because it was right near the end. And I didn't realise you were hauled up against the FA and everything. Oh, I got in serious trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I did get in trouble because it was uh, a few minutes before the end. Obviously, I just think 
all my frustrations from the yes. previous <laughs> probably year, two yeah. years yeah. came out at that moment. And again, it was Palace. I'd, I'd had a, uh, it was Tough a difficult time, time at Palace. I'd gone to QPR. Ironically, we draw Crystal Palace quarterfinals and I scored a winner. And as, it, as I struck it, I took off and run towards the Palace supporters, <laughs> half the pitch. I wasn't that brave. I stopped on the halfway line. <laughs> but I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was going off. crazy. I was going incredible. mad. We win the game, and as we go down the tunnel, there was a lot of scuffling. There was right. all sort of trouble. And then there was an invasion of the pitch. Right. So there was the, like this, this um, almost riot on the right. pitch at, at, that, at uh, Loftus Road. Didn't think ever, anything of it. On the Thursday... Terry come out to training. We'd just gone out onto the training pitch. Terry come out. He's collared me. He said, wait. I said, all right, boss. He, yeah, fine. He said, uh, I, need, I need you to come with me after training. What for? He said, we've got to go to the cop shop. <laughs> oh, my I God. I went, what? He said, they're, they're, in, they're charging you with inciting a riot in the game against Crystal Palace. I said... Are you serious? He said, "Yeah." He said, "You need a brief. You need to get. You need to get onto a solicitor." So we end up in the afternoon at Shepherd's Bush Police Station. They're supposed to be our police. Shepherd's Bush Police Chief of Police sit down with him, brief Terry me. So my brief says to me, "Whatever you do, don't say anything." Says, okay, fine. So he goes on to read out this statement. The said player, Alan was on a number of occasions seen to be inciting the Crystal Palace supporters. And I, I've looked at the brief, I've looked at Terry, I've gone, this is bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. So my brief's now gagging me, like, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, don't say anything. Yes, at the corner, after seven minutes, he seemed to be shouting through the netting at the Crystal Palace supporters. It was absolute, Total lies. absolute rubbish, yeah. right? So wow. with that, I've stayed quiet. He's finished his thing. So my brief has just gone to the police inspector. Prove it. Mm. He said, where are where the witnesses? Prove it. And he went, um, OK, Venners was laughing. <laughs> he, he's gone, he's looked at the he's, This is ridiculous. He said, uh, OK, then, slap wrist and a fine. And that was wow. that. And I got away with it. I got, I got away with it. It was absolute. I was. I, I was shaking in this situation because <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking. I can thinking, imagine. Oh banged up. But I'm celebrating a goal. But all it, that it, other it, stuff. That wasn't true, was it? You weren't true. doing all that. It was just no, at the end. Yeah. It was just an outpouring yeah. of relief and emotion. Yeah, and just, got, I mean, if you haven't yeah. seen it, go on YouTube yeah. tomorrow tonight. Yeah, so that it was is uh, incredible. That was that was quite an experience. It really was. Wow. But then obviously we went we went on to to reach the final first time for for the club. But I mean, that, that, the first game, though, you, 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 sadly for you, you, you got injured. Yeah, I did. I made a really silly mistake. I run back and chased Tony <laughs> Galvin, and as I was chasing Tony Galvin, he's checked inside me. I've, I've mm. literally just tried to follow him, and I, I, I broke the capsule in my ankle. Oh. Second minute, um, I carried oh, on half time, and God. Wembley was one of the only stadiums in the world at that time that had a X-ray machine. Right. So they X-rayed my ankle. They said there's not an actual break, but the swelling it literally it was the size of a football my ankle said strap me up I'm going out I hobbled out for the second half lasted about five ten minutes and then Terry obviously took me off because only one substitute in those days but I was I was done and um I I wasn't going to make the the replay on the Thursday night Mm. I was I was I was putting a plaster cast which I was in all, all the summer after that um yeah that was a that was a, uh, you know, it's a boyhood dream to play in the, yeah, the FA Cup final, the run we'd had. Again, there were so many, 
stories because obviously mm. my dad topped them, yes, of course. the whole thing. Um, and it, it, it was just a complete anticlimax yeah. in the end, yeah. Well, let's talk about your time at Tottenham after this very short break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And we're back from that break. Uh, For those of you listening at home, don't forget, you too can be at these wonderful nights. Go to season.spurshow.net. You and a friend can be here at these monthly events uh, uh, joining us. And we've got uh, our next one in February uh, for 25th, we have John Pratt, who obviously was at Tottenham for 14 years. Also, you can get uh, premium content. Go to patreon.com slash Show for daily match reports, interviews, ex-players, much, much more. Right before the break, we were talking about your time before Tottenham, uh, Clive. And then uh, in 1984, you finally, and I know you, we, we talked at the top of the show about playing at White Hart Lane and stuff. You finally joined Tottenham in 84. How, how did that come about? What was the story behind Finally ending up there. Well, um, Terry Venables had left Queen's Park Rangers. He went to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Alan Mullery had taken over at Queen's Park Rangers. He bought um, a centre-forward by the name of Gary Bannister from Coventry. Yeah. Um, there was some speculation that Terry might come and take me from QPR to Barcelona. I never, ever envisaged that that was going to happen. But he went and took Steve Archibald from course, Spurs. who did our show in December. And, and Steve Archie. went, left, left Spurs. Yeah. Um, I didn't know at the time, but Dad did because he'd, he'd actually spoken to Bill Nicholson a couple of times. Spurs had been tracking me at QPR over right. the three years that I'd been there. And um, the opportunity came. I actually went to see Alan Mullery. It was just before the start of the season. Bannister had arrived. I'd been at QPR, back at QPR three years. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I'd actually asked for a transfer, although oh, I'd really? been transferred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first time I asked for a transfer. I went in to see Alan Mullery. It was on the Wednesday. I said, um, Alan, I, I feel now I need to I need to move on. Um, he said you're going nowhere. I left his office, went home on the train, Central Line, across mm. London. Just walked in the door and the phone rang, and it was Peter Shreves, who was the the, the new manager of Spurs. Obviously, mm. taken over from uh, Keith Birkenshaw. Yeah, and he said, Clive, Clivey, as he used mm. to call me, Clivey. <laughs> I think you know where the ground is. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> really? That was it? That was, that was the line? What a great one-liner. Nine o'clock. That's tremendous. Nine o'clock on the Thursday morning, I pulled up at White Hart Lane. Because these are days before age. You didn't have an agent this time. No just agents, just, no. On the tube. Yeah. Those the players now. Yeah. Wasn't Harry Kane on the tube just going home? Yeah. It was extraordinary, isn't it? There might be a few people. <laughs> yeah, is that? But, no, yeah. I turned up White Hart Lane, nine o'clock on the Thursday morning, walked into the office, the contract was in front of me. I didn't yeah. even look at it. I saw really? It. Really? Because for you, I mean, do, you always, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but 
because of your family and everything, they'd always, did you feel like it was a, you were destined or yeah, you wanted, you, you hoped yeah. it, you to be destined? Yeah, to play it was, space. it was right. It just yeah. felt, it, it felt like, it Coming felt home. like being, being at home. Yeah. I'd obviously, I, I, I watched many Spurs games. Dad used to take me when I was a kid. Mm. And I always remember walking down the high road and people obviously mm. talking to dad yeah. and saying to me, what are you going to oh, yeah. Yeah. if you're half the player your dad is, you'll, yeah. you'll be a player. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and you grow up listening to that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, it was, I, would, I was just, I was happy. I was mm. comfortable. I knew a lot of the players. I played with them in Mark Falco in mm-hmm. England Youth and um, played against, obviously played against the, the boys as well. But it was seamless. I just yeah. came in and um, and loved it. Mm. Yeah, mm. felt very very at home and and like just couldn't wait to get started. So um, yeah, fantastic. Well, that, that that first season with Shreve, you remember? We it was a good season. We finished third. Yes, in Shreve's first season, uh, I've got, we I've, could have actually, could have won the league. Well, I've got it in the bag well, actually. I've got it. The, yeah. you, you scored twice in your debut at Goodison Park. I've got. I don't know if you got. I've got the program. For you, I bought it with me. Yes, you, do. you or your kids might want it. I, uh, I do have it. I did. Oh, you get got it. Programs. Yes. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll regift yeah, it. I'll regift yeah. it. Don't Thank worry. you. Yeah, um, what's your memory of that and your first home debut at White Hart Lane when you, you know, finally you're in the Spurs kit and you're running out as a Tottenham player? Do you remember? You, you, it? Just, just you know, I think fulfilling all, all your dreams. You, 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 you dream that it's going to happen, and and this is this is it. It's reality. Obviously, Goodison Park was the, was the perfect start. I mean, they were a pretty good team. They, they won I the mean, league. Won exactly. Yeah, they they were a top team, and we, we beat them four one. Four one. Yeah. yeah, I scored two, and uh, another score. Another guy was making his debut that day. Scored, and he signed the same day as me. Anyone with Anyone? the knowledge? John Chidozzi, yeah. who after Tottenham yeah. went on to sell Bouncy Castles. Castle. Not, I don't yeah. know if he and sold them. That's no, true. No, he, he's retired. He, he rented them. He run Bouncy. Yeah, he's oh, right. he rented yeah. them. It was a, yeah. He was rented. Yeah. So he yeah. rented. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't on yeah. the Bouncy Castle. <laughs> <laughs> he rented them. It was yeah. like strange yeah. man on a, with small children. He was yeah, rented Bouncy, and then he was a PE teacher somewhere in East London. I think he's retired recently. Chidozzi. Yeah, John Chidozzi from Notts County. Tricky winger. Strange hair. He was very quick. Quickest winger. Yeah. Asked Doug Ruvie about him when we played Chelsea one Doug day. Ruby. Oh, my God, goodness. That is a name yes. from the past. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember games that, because you obviously got injured, we'll, we'll go on to. That first season, there was obviously the two goals in the debut. One game earlier, I remember, that, that again, I don't know if anyone else remembers, <laughs> away at Roker Park, you and Graham Roberts got sent off in the same match. We did, yeah. What yeah. happened there? Well, I was really unlucky. I ran into the goalkeeper <laughs> um, for a, a second yellow card. Right. But what was the first one for? I, I think Don't it was remember. a poor tackle, if I remember. Oh, yeah. Or I might have been chirping the referee. I, yeah. I, I was terrible at that. But I got sent off after the challenge on the goalkeeper. And I've gone into the dressing room. Obviously, the dressing room's empty. There's no one there. You're on your own. And you're, you're absolutely furious, but you don't know what to do. Yeah. And I'm like... Is that monitors yeah, to watch the game? Nothing you can do. I'll watch the match. I'm walking, and the dressing room was very similar to this, probably this sort of size at Rogue Park. I'm walking around the dressing room. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm like beating myself up, and the door nearly comes off its hinges. It's like, bang. And I'm, I look around, I went, what are you doing? He went... Robbo just got fucking sent off. <laughs> so when when now down to Nima, what'd you do? Now, Robbo, of course, I fucking kicked him, didn't I? And I went, Robbo, are you mad? I said, like, nine men. He went, yeah, I shouldn't have got sent off. 
And we were sitting there, like, consoling one another. Um, oh, the, first time, the first time I got sent off in my career, that yeah. was. Well, not the last. No, not the last. No. No, exactly. No. Um, anyway, that first season, I mean, again, talk about brilliant score. 12 goals in 24 games, and then a really, really awful injury that, I mean, could have ended your career. Talk us through that injury. And then, and then again, we've, we've got a history. We've had Darren Anderson on the show, Alan Mullery on the show. There's this sort of long line of stories about awful misdiagnosis of injuries. And, and you were the same. You had an awful yeah. time. Yeah, I remember I, I did it crossing the ball against Sunderland, just with my left foot crossing from the edge of the box. Um, felt a really sharp pain in my, my left groin. Subsequently, you know, it's a groin strain. Mm. It will take four to six weeks. Six weeks later, no good. Um, then it was a hernia, a hernia repair. Um, and in, in those days, a gentleman who's just down the road here in, in Harley Street, Jerry Gilmore, um, the Gilmore groin, as it was f- affectionately known <laughs> in football. But everybody that went to Jerry Gilmore, they'd go and he'd examine them on the Wednesday, Thursday morning. They're on the on the on the slab on the on the table, and he, he's operating on them. Little did people know that most footballers, if examined in the way that he examined them, there was going to be a problem, oh, and there really? was going to be uh, a, 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 what they called a hernia. But it was right. it was. It was very, very slight hernia. And just purely because, obviously, you play football and stretching in right. that area. But he'd, he'd always... He, he used to stick his finger up inside you yeah, and you, yeah. you hit the roof and he'd yeah, go, oh, yeah. yes, you need surgery, I'll see you in the morning. And wow. then he... So he's making a lot... Nice he, that's his business, right? Is, uh, yeah. yeah, you can... Yeah. Everybody so can Google Gr- Gilmore's groin. What that is. <laughs> a footballer comes in, <laughs> you stick your finger up inside, he jumps groin. out. Looks like show. an op for you, mate. Yeah. Here's the bill. So I had the, <laughs> wow. I, I had the left side done. I had the right side done when when Bloody when the hell. left side didn't clear up, and obviously this is the times going on, and I've been out a number of months, mm, and it ended up that I, I, again, you talk about misdiagnosis. I then saw another surgeon after after seeing Gilmore and the repairs <laughs> hadn't worked. The next surgeon was the Olympic um, athlete surgeon that I went into, and he sat there and he said, um, "Oh yeah, you need injections." And at that time, I'd had a dozen injections in into my groin and i i i just yeah. said um i just said no i'm not having yeah. any more of which mike varney who was then physio yeah, yeah. of the club mm. mike said do you know who you've just told that you can't you're not having any more injections yeah. i said yeah i've had a dozen already i'm not having any more so he said but you you can't you can't talk to someone like that i said i can i said because i know it's not right mm. and the injections haven't helped me so you just knew it your own right. body that this, this is not, yeah. No, my, my my wife was a physiotherapist. Oh, okay. And um, I went I went with her into the hydropool where she worked at the hospital, and literally I could I could knock her over with my right leg, sweeping my right leg in the water, could knock her over with my left leg, with her little finger she could hold my leg and I could not move it. I had no I had no power or no strength. So and I said to her there's something wrong and she knew there was yeah, she yeah, said yeah. look yeah, we, I can see there's something wrong it ended up I went to another a third uh, consultant by the name of Alan Letting and he looked at me and Mike walked in with all my medical files mm. put them on the desk and Mike, uh, Mr Letting pushed them all to one side he said to me Clive tell me what's wrong I said I cannot I cannot I've got no power in my left leg I cannot swing my left leg mm. so he said I need to inject you <laughs> and I went Mr. Letting, please. He went, why, have you had a number of injections? I said, yeah, I've had a dozen. He said, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to have 
two injections every two weeks. He said, and if there's no result, I'm going to have to open you up, which obviously happened. I had the injections, no improvement. With that, we're now in the summer, mm. and the team have gone to Australia. They've well. gone to end-of-season trip in Australia. Peter Shrees is the manager. And over that course of almost nine months, um, I was... I was um, I was told that I was psychosomatic, that it was mm. all in my head, mm. that um, we've done hernia repairs, we've done this. Basically, they wasn't believing that I, well, I had the problem. problem yeah. So Alan Lettin opened me up. He found the problem. Basically, I'd ruptured one of my ductors, one of my groin right. muscles from the bone. So it wasn't there, and it had attached itself to another adductor. It was growing on that. But what happened was, every time I tried to do anything, the whole thing would flare up. He repaired Six. it. The following morning, I would, I'd come around from surgery. He'd come in. I said, Mr. Lettin, is everything all right? He said, I'm 99.9% sure there's, there's no problem. We've sorted it. You duck, you've ruptured the ductal brevis. It's all repaired. So I said, have you told the club that? So he said, yeah, I have. But he hadn't. His secretary had sent a message right. to the club saying everything's all right. Oh, right. so they took it to mean that so it was all in your head. that it was all in my head. Oh, Everything's all right. right. Oh, no. So oh. The, that afternoon, I get a call <laughs> from Peter Shreves saying, Clive, are you okay? I said, yeah, as far as I know, Peter, you know, the surgeon's, you know, he's happy. Everything's all right. He said, yeah, there was nothing wrong. I said, really? <laughs> he said, well, that's what he's told us. Oh. So with that, obviously, his report then wow. follows a week later, the club received the report and find out that it was all okay. But that was in that was in the summer. I had a number of months, obviously, um, rehabilitation, getting ready. And the, the the thing I always say was, I played the last twelve games yeah, of that yeah. season, which basically got me back, yeah. got me back up to speed. Fitness, so just fitness and and yeah. that was when. Um, obviously, Peter left and Dave, David Pleat come in that yeah. summer. Yeah, and he called me and he said, Clive, he said. Um, what are you doing through the summer? So I said, David, I'm training all through the summer. I've played 12 games. I'm, I feel mm. as if I'm nearly back up to speed. And he was brilliant. He said, look, I want you to have a holiday. He said, go away. Just completely relax. Don't think, talk, mm. any football. And start three weeks before we start back. And then pre-season will be tough. And I, was, I came back pre-season flying. Mm. And obviously Great. opening day of the season and right. never looked back. Yeah, well, the rest is history. But you the must have been scared. I mean, all those misdiagnoses. Did you, did you, you must have thought, am I going to play again? Yeah, the there was there was, there was, was times, yeah. yeah. And it's difficult. It is because all you want to do is play well. You know, so players don't, you don't want to be injured. Mm. There's no player that, that, mm. that wants it, it, to be It's injured. an incredible thing because like you say, Mike, this is a recurring theme that we get. <laughs> we get with players who've been misdiagnosed and sometimes accused of malingering and uh, that happened then. We were talking earlier about it. it I mean, it may even happen now. I don't know. Obviously, medical science and sports science oh, is moved way, way better. Yeah, yeah misdiagnoses yeah, yeah. and things yeah. like that. But there's yeah. still always that thing about players. Are they really as hurt or as, you know, well, like, those be, aspersions are still cast, aren't they? Yeah. You go through a career as a player, you get injuries and you learn about them, obviously. And then as a coach, you, 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 you find out about your players that mm, are injured, yeah. what the medical people think. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I've learned something this week or last week with, with Harry's injury. Mm. I, I, I never knew that the hamstring attached to the, the, to the hip with a tendon between. Mm. And, and 
you know, I've known players who've had hamstring injuries mm. years gone by yeah. that might well have been as serious as, as Harry's is, but it wouldn't have been diagnosed. It would have been yeah. muscle fibre. Oh, yeah, he's torn a few fibres. He'd yeah. be all right. You wouldn't go straight so, to surgery, would you? Exactly. I mean, surgery. It's a well, big, it's a big, I don't it's know. A big, any... it's a, apparently, it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a big injury. Absolutely. To have yeah. surgery on it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like... Well, I, I never knew in my, in my time yeah. over, um, what, 17, 18 years that I played, anybody had surgery on a hamstring. Yeah. So, again, medical advancements yeah. and... And yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's going to be all right. And I know, obviously, knowing Harry as well, he, he will work tirelessly mm. and, yeah. and he'll be back as quick as he can. There's no mm. doubt about that. But, um, yeah, so that was that that was the low point. Yeah. But obviously, what followed that was... was well, the let's talk about, yeah. you know, let's talk about that record-breaking season with David Pleat at the helm, the famous 4-5-1 formation, which, yeah. you know, we would talk about sort of at the time how revolutionary it was. So you done some extra training. You came back with a bang. It was a hat-trick. First game against Villa. I mean, again, we talk about stats. 21 league goals before Christmas. Was it 21? I think it was 21. Yeah. 19, 20, yeah. 21. I, I scored, that I big, scored my it? 26th on Boxing Day. I always remember oh, so it. Wow. More than that. 26th on the 26th because it was two against West Ham wow. on Boxing Day. Yeah, yeah, I remember Day. it. Um, but the, the, I think the, the telling thing was 10 games in. Yeah. I had an interview with, with the great Jimmy Greaves, oh, who, who my dad always told me growing up was the best goal scorer he's mm. ever seen and there ever will be. And, yeah. and, and, and I, you know, I, I listened to that and Jimmy interviewed me on, on you know, on, you know, as Saint, it was. St. Greasy Show in 87. So we're sitting in the stadium and Jimmy at the end of the interview just says to me, he said, you know what, son, you could break my record. And you I, I, I did didn't you know what the record know. was? Why I, didn't, you I, I didn't have a clue. Mm. So I had 11 goals in 10 games. Wow. And he said, you carry on like this and you'll break my record. And I went, Jim, I'm really sorry, what record? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a million records. Yeah. 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 So he went, uh, four, 46 goals. I said, you're joking, aren't you? You've got yeah, to be right. kidding. That's, in, that's cup, impossible. Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah. that, was, that was the first time that wow. I, was, I was made He's aware of it. Um, and even then, I had no, I, never in my mind did I think I was going to get anywhere but near. But the other thing about that season that I probably most of us forgot, that whole four-five-one formation, we didn't start the season with that. No. You were banging in goals, again, from your brilliant book. It came in sort of like November, December. Yeah. Friday, all of a sudden it was talked about. We, I mean, where, we, where did it come from? We trained on the Friday. We were playing at Oxford, on the Oxford United on the Saturday. And we trained, we, we little bit of formation. David was taking the session, and he said, uh, "Lads, when you shout, I want to see you in the in the uh, in the room. Have lunch, and we're, we're we're having a meeting." We sat down, and he said, "Right, tomorrow." And we hadn't even played that way in mm. training. Yeah, he said, "Tomorrow we're going to play this system." So the lads are looking at one. It wasn't another. like you're losing every game. You're no, no, no. We well. started okay. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're looking at one another, and and what is he gone mad? So mm. he's. So sits us down, right, this is how we're going to play. Glenn, you're going to just drop back and play in five in midfield. Clive, you'll play up on your own, right? Win, lose or draw, I'll take responsibility for whatever happens. Right, any questions? So Ray Clements <laughs> puts his hand up. Uh, Gaffer, he said, uh, no, we tried things like that at Liverpool. It, it won't work. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn's looked at him and Glenn and him never really hit yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, um, well... Well, why am I playing like that? And he said, Glenn, I, oh, you're free. You're free to play. He said, we'll have an extra body in there. We'll, we'll. 
So, right, okay. So, of course, there we go. Saturday, we, we get to the stadium. Right, we're playing like this, and the boys are looking around. He can't be. This is not for real. Mm. We went out 20 minutes in with 2 0 down. <laughs> Tottenham way. David Leeworthy. Leeworthy, yes. Who was one of yes. ours who'd gone That's to right. Oxford yeah. and scored Lee the two Worthy. goals. Yeah. The lads are looking at the dugout, you know, one or two are like, you know, Gaffer, you, you need to change it. Um, I scored. Chrissy Waddle scored. We went on. We won the game 4 2. And I think we went on a run of something like 12 or 13 games. We won on mm. the bounce. And it was just, it was just, it was just right. The the, the player, the, it wasn't that the, let me get this the right way round. It wasn't the system that fitted the players. It was the players that fitted right. the system. It was amazing that it just came to him. It's almost like he had a mystic, mystic ability because, like you say, he hadn't even been trying it on the pitch. No, he, he just suddenly. It's as if he just suddenly. I know what we could do, and then just did it, and, and it but, just. But what worked. it was it. You looked at all those players individually and collectively. We went five in midfield. Yeah. We we could we could all pass the ball, yeah. mm. pass the ball short. Yeah. We had the extra man. Yeah. Teams who played four four two as they yeah. did just didn't know what to do. Yeah. They had two midfield players that yeah. couldn't get near Completely our three four or five. And mm. like you say, it's about the players because you've got to have incredibly good creative midfield players to make up for the fact you haven't got another bloke up front, right? And yeah. the one bloke you've got up front has better know how to score goals. And that's what they had. They had the, mm. In Glenn Hoddle, you had the best creative, like you said, the best passer there ever was. He was surrounded by other amazing players like Waddle and Ardiles. Genuinely world-class players. And yeah. then you need, but you absolutely, if you're only going to have one guy up front, he really needs to know where the goal is. And of course, that's what we had. It was, it was, just, a, it was just a right fit and it worked, it worked so well. It was and fabulous I think, to watch, I think that's what, for sure. I think we very quickly recognised that it was... We'll outscore anybody we play. Yeah. We might concede a few. Yeah. Well, I was about, without, I was about to say, yeah. when you look at all the results, you look back, there's no like, you know, 1 0, 2 no. 1. There were some extraordinary games. We haven't got enough time to go through all of them. My personal favourite, apart from the big iconic games we've come to, my personal favourite that season was, that stands out for me, was the 5 0 drubbing of West Ham in the League Cup. <laughs> Which I think was a midweek game because we had was. Nico Klassen coming from yeah. Belgium. Nico I mean, scored his first goal. Yeah, well, and I honestly, to this what was that how many, how many years ago? It was a long time ago. Yeah. I remember. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. We absolutely ripped them apart. The football was scintillating. Yeah. Well, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It's, it's yeah. amazing. It was absolutely incredible. It's amazing that you say that game was the best for me. The best game, club game that I've ever played in was the Boxing Day game where we beat them 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. That was 11 o'clock, yeah. Boxing morning. We beat them 4, it should have been 12. Yeah. And honestly, that was a game where, you know, when everything goes yeah. right, we were flowing, we, we moved the ball mm. brilliantly. Um, and I always say, I still, still, mm. still say to this day that that's the best game mm. I've ever played in, best team that I've ever played. Well, that, that yeah. team, until Pochettino, we were talking about this earlier, but until Pochettino, that was the best team. I mean, that was one of the best teams we've ever had at Tottenham Hotspur, really. And to, not to watch, but also, you know, Nico Klaassen was a good player. Couldn't Nico get in, of course, player, because yeah. there was only one striker. But what a great reserve striker if anything went wrong, you know. He was a, he was a great player. But also the defenders. I mean, Goff yeah. and Mabber. Goff and Mabber, yeah. Mabber had finally found his natural position. He'd played all over, he played every position before that, hadn't he? he had. And at that point, he'd, he settled into central defence. 
Gary Mabbott played all those games, and we all we all love him because of his as a great servant to the club and all the games he played and a great leader. But he was an absolutely brilliant central defender, wasn't he? Just the, again because of the way we played, we needed two centre halves who could play exactly, who, who could yeah. run the ball out, yeah. who could feed the ball to the midfield where we dominated the midfield in numbers yeah. and ability. Yeah, and and again it just it just worked. Perfectly. Was it? I mean, I mean, Goff was. Yeah. Was it personal reasons why he didn't stay on for one season? He was one just season? a moaner. Albert or was he a woman? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he arrived from Glasgow. Was it Aberdeen? First... Dundee United? Was it Dundee United? Dundee United. Yeah. Dundee United, Dundee United yeah. yeah. They were a big, big team at the time. Amazing. Yeah. They went on to Rangers after. So went, yeah. went, huge career. Yeah, he was a brilliant back, player. He yeah. was a great player. Yeah. So he yeah, didn't settle here? Or? No, he just didn't like London. He, like, right. There was too much traffic. There was too much noise. Everything was so expensive. Yeah, exactly. But a wonderful player. Yeah. The very first trip we had, he got on the coach. He started moaning. And let's right. see. Albert, shut up, please. Yeah. You're in London. You're in London but wonderful player, he really yeah, was. Yeah, he really yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously some like, iconic game. I mean, again, I mean, we'll talk later about your time coaching at Tottenham and iconic games, and later on, Pochettino games will remember. There was obviously some games that we don't remember for the, for the good reasons, and you can when you pinpoint Tottenham in history when what could have been, mm. and obviously in '87, and I mean they had old fanzine about it, one nil down, two two one up against the Woodish Wanderers. Those ext- I mean extraordinary matches. Uh, was it the Littlewoods Cup then, wasn't it? It was Littlewoods. Um, Littlewoods Milk Cup. Cup. Was it the Milk Cup Milk or Little? Cup. It was Littlewoods, wasn't was it? it? Littlewoods. Yeah. Littlewoods Cup. The semi-finals against Arsenal, which again you. We all focus on the result, but again, you're talking about great before. We were scintillating for most of those three games. Well, we, we, we were never behind until yeah. two minutes before the end of the third game. Yeah. So we won the first game 1-0 at Highbury. Highbury 1-0. We, mm-hmm. I scored yeah. in, the, in the second game at White yeah. Lane to, uh, be, quite early to on. be 2-0 up on yeah. aggregate. Yeah. And two players who never scored, Viv Anderson and Tony Adams, yeah. scored. To win the game 2-1, but away goals didn't count double. Mm. So we then spun for the third game. The chairman won and decided that we'd play at home. Mm. We played that game and six minutes from the end, I scored a third time, which is actually, and to this day, a League Cup goal scoring. Oh, really? And I broke the great Jeff Hurst and Rodney Marsh, who played with my father in 67. Um, They'd scored 12 goals in the competition um, in one season. And that... The goal in the third game was the 13th. So what happens was, and I always say, and my story is, our best player on the night got injured and went off. And everybody goes, who was that then? Mm. Fucking Charlie Nicholas. Right, Right, because he was... He was absolutely useless. useless. (laughs) He turned his ankle. Mm. He went off. Ian Allenson come on. And the first touch yeah. Ian Allenson had, he beats Clem at the near post, one all. Yeah. So now, the remember. 93rd minute... I, remember, I can literally remember it like yesterday. I remember mean, all of us, all of us. No, I'm, I'm, I'm as, Quinn, I'm as much to, play, yeah. to blame as anyone. Ball's played up to me. I, I get dispossessed. The ball goes back down. They get a free kick. And the late David Rowcastle in Rowcastle. the 93rd minute yeah. scores the winner. Yeah. So, as I'm walking off, a guy, in his wisdom sticks two bottles of champagne in my hand and says, photo, smile. And I'm standing there nearly crying. He says, you've just broken the League Cup goal scoring record. No. Aren't you going to smile? And in the end, I I walked into a dressing room that I've never seen before. Yeah. Devastation. Devastation. 
lads were crying. Uh, they was they were like just laid out on the floor. It was absolutely horrendous. And Muggins walks in with two oh, no. of champagne <laughs> oh, no. that... to quickly, uh, obviously, to quickly yeah. but. Yeah. That, it was horrible. It was horrible. I always thought that was the power shift when Arsenal then became a, successfully a bigger club than us after that yeah, time. That, it gave them such confidence. And again, how football on. is, Arsenal go to Wembley, play Liverpool in the final. Mm. Yeah. And anyone remember the score? And they the won scorers? It, it? 2-1, was it? And Charlie Nicholas scores two. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. weren't good goals, but they, they won. They were shocking yeah. goals, weren't they? They were bounced, they yeah. bounced in off him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but nevertheless, it was the start. Like Mike says, it was the start of something for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it sadly. was. Yeah. It was. Because yeah. Liverpool yeah. were still dominant team, so it was a big deal then beating. But them. then, just a number of days later, we had to play an FA Cup tie, the, the beginning of the FA Cup run, and we played. I think it was Scunthorpe from in front yeah. right, yeah. and that ended up like four two. Mm. It was like incredible. Yeah, Chrissy, mm. Chrissy was amazing that day. But I, I have to say that right from the start of that, because of what happened against Arsenal. I was convinced we were going to win the FA Cup that year yeah. because of the way the team played, mm-hmm. the the way, the, just the way we shaped up. I just well, we deserve. I mean, you talk yeah, about you know, I'm a bit like I suppose on Pochettino. This this team deserves to win something. You yeah. talk about that cup final. I mean, I must. I'm sure many people. Were, I've never watched that the, the final back. I never. No. I couldn't sit and analyze it, watch it back. It's like absolutely gone. And yet, Again, I vividly remember it. Yeah, but, but looking you know back, what? I didn't realise. You know what? That's interesting you say that yeah. because I didn't, and I can't, I didn't right. until um, probably a year ago. Oh, really? I, 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 I've, I've watched it so many times and you see the Keith Houching goal. Yeah. But I did, I've done quite a bit of work out in Qatar with right. Richard Keyes and right. Andy Gray. Mm. Obviously, Keyes is a massive Coventry supporter. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. know. He was a director at one point. Oh, okay. But every time I used to go there and walk into the studio, <laughs> his first comment was, legend in the house, legend in the house. What was the score in the 87 oh, Cup no. final? Right? Yeah. So we yeah. actually were doing an FA Cup game. I was doing the punditry. We're chatting away, and he threw it in on air, which he obviously this was always off air, but he mm. threw it in on mm. air. And he said, uh, Well, of course, you played in the 87 Cup final. And I said, Yeah, Keith Alchin's winning goal. And he went, It wasn't the winning goal. No. We ended up arguing on air on set. <laughs> and I said to him, Keezy, I played in the game. <laughs> I know that Keith Alchin's goal was the winner. He went, No, it wasn't. So wow, you I argued awesome. with him for five minutes. I said, I played in the game. I know it was. But it is amazing that in all those years, wow. all I kept seeing was Keith Alchin's goal. Mm. And in my mind, that was a winning goal. He, he said out. to me, Gary Mabbott scored the, the own yeah, goal yeah, for yeah, the winner. Yeah. And I went, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. He went, he did. And I went, literally... Because I'd never watched it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I'd always... It, it just became... It transfixed in my mind that, wow. that Houchins was the winning goal. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I mean, again, looking back, that the build-up to the cup final. I remember we thrashed Man United four nil, another brilliant victory. But we lost on the, the the run-up to the final. We lost our last four of our last seven league games. Do you think? And again, we were going for the league. It was a great season. Yeah, Do you, think you know it, what well, Pleaty did, don't you? What? Huh? You know what Pleaty did, don't you? No. I was on 47 goals and we were playing a White Everton league right. game and he said to me, I'm going to rest you. And rest? What are you talking about? 
I said, Gaffer, I'm, you know, I'm going for 50 and, and, I, and I, want, I just want to play. I want to play every game. No, no, no. Sean Close is going to play. Sean Close. Young, young striker. Yeah. And we still had a chance of winning the league. Mm. And I think if, there, if, if ever there was... And, and I love David and, and what, what, you know, the way what he taught us and preached and whatever. But that was, I thought that was a mm. massive... He's a strange... I mean, nobody, even... You, so you, it's interesting to hear you talk about David Plea like that. So you loved him and what he did. And, and from, a, from a fan's point of view, that team was so good and the so innovative. divided. But the, the players... Well, the players are divided. It's very even interesting. Nobody, not, none of them are fully... Some of them were absolutely... Had, had, that we've had on. I've got nothing good to say about no, it. Right, right, what Rob, you just Rob said is probably for one. the yeah. most positive we've heard yeah, about you're David Plea. Right, and, yeah. and even you, you tell that story and you think, what was it? It was almost, that is a perverse mm. thing to do. Well, the, mm. the, again, the, the, one of the fascinating stories was the night before the cup final, we mm. stayed at the old training ground. Right. We trained late on the Friday afternoon before going to the hotel for the cup final on a Saturday. And obviously, we'd had a whole season, a, a routine where mm. small-sided game, few sprints, whatever we do, mm. maybe a bit of team shape. And who appears on the training field with his rugby shirt on and his collar up, trying to be Brian Clough, David Pleat? <laughs> I'm taking the warm-up. <laughs> and seriously, the boys are looking at one another thinking, what, what the... is he doing? Yeah. So David proceeds to take the warm-up has us running up and down the pitch, jumping, clapping. <laughs> this is a Brazilian warm-up that I saw. <laughs> and Glenn, amongst others, went, he's fucking mad. <laughs> Sounds like that scene in Keds with no, Brian Glover. It, it, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. Bearing in mind, this is the Friday before the FA Cup final. Yeah. And we've never done it. Yeah. Strange man. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was... He, he, he loved, obviously, he loved Brian Clough and yeah. he yeah. just... Right, do something different. Yeah. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. break the routine. I'm going to dress up as Brian Clough. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it, was, it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, he did. He did this Brazilian warm-up <laughs> the Friday afternoon before the cup final. And the lads are like, oh, my God, what is he doing? Very odd. I mean, it must have been very difficult to say. Your second FA Cup final, great goal. You know, now on 49, it was waddle in and out. Boom, boom. You're in near post header. Three minutes, four minutes? Three minutes. We always fans went, this is going to be easy. Yeah, this is it. All this yeah, is it's only a question of our minutes. And we always said on the Spurs show, look in hindsight, too early. Yeah, which became too the early. Catch play, too yeah, early. Catchphrase. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you personally? To, to, no, the I, second... I, I thought exactly, I'm sure, as all the, the Spurs supporters felt, we, we were in front. We, we were going we to not stroll the game, but we oh. were going to win the game and win it, win it comfortably. Yeah. Um, Sometimes there are football matches, you know, that you play and whatever you do, you're just not you, just, win. you don't get a result. You might play well and the team you know what? scramble a goal or whatever it mm. was. And and it's only looking back on it now, I don't think whatever we would have done that you were day, gonna win. It just we were wasn't destined your day. to win yeah. that, 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 that That's why, I, this is my theory why football's the most popular sport in exactly. the world. Because yeah. it's like life. You don't always get what you deserve. Mm. Some days it's just not going to be your day. And that's it, it's a reflection of... Of life. Well, sometimes you get more than you deserve, sometimes you get less. The, the example of that is, is the Champions League run last season. Yeah. I was yeah. at the Etihad against Manchester City with yeah. my son. And as, as the goal went in, City's goal mm. went in, yeah. he jumped up and said to me, Dad, he said, if this goes to VAR, it's no goal. 
Now, did he see that? He saw it. Right. How old now, is he? No one else he, did. He, he's 27. Right. He's Tottenham nuts. Right. And we're in amongst all the City supporters. And oh, really? I, I put my hand on his shoulder. So and sit said, down, suddenly. Sit down. Because I've not seen any. I, I, didn't, I can't see that. And mm, like, you're watching the game. None of us did. So, none of us did. So as it pops up on the screen, VAR, he jumps up again and he turns to me and said, Dad, that's no goal. No, yeah. so From the I've Oracle. Gone, I've gone, Ed, sit down. Yeah. Right? So he sat down. As it's gone, no goal. He's jumped up. I've jumped up. We're like, <laughs> and the city supporters. Well, you got to be careful. You played for them. What, yeah. What's the matter with you? So I said, and they're no, not nice. No, nothing, nothing's the matter with me. And like, we're like, we're rugging one another. It's unbelievable. So we come away from that game, driving home, as elated as I'm sure everybody else was, all yeah. the way down, you know, M6, M1. Yeah. And I'm going to him, you know what? I've seen hundreds of thousands of football matches. We'll, I'll never see another one like yeah. that in my no, life yeah. again. Little did you know. I love yeah. it. So I say, the beauty of the game. Yeah. And there I am in Amsterdam yeah. with... My wife, who came with me, and my wow. son's on the other side of the stadium in Amsterdam right. with the Dutch supporters. Right. My son, oh, who's booked his flights to Madrid, wow, right from Edinburgh because he's playing golf in, in right. St Andrews on the Friday. Brilliant. He's going to Madrid on the Saturday. So with that, two nil down, he rings his wife at half time and says, "M, we're not going to Amsterdam. Yeah, Cancel yeah. those flights." No. Right. <laughs> right. So at the end of the game, he's like. Dad, this is unbelievable. He said, rings Emily back, his wife, to say, you didn't cancel those flights, did you, Em? Well, you told me to. <laughs> get back on then, get the flights. <laughs> of course, they'd gone up however yeah. many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. But we then go into the centre of Amsterdam afterwards and it was the most yeah. amazing, night, yeah. amazing I'd love experience. to have that with your son. Oh, it was brilliant, yeah. And, yeah, it was fantastic. Absolutely amazing. brilliant, yeah. Amazing. So, of course, then the next thing is Madrid and yeah. getting to Madrid and going <laughs> to the, the final. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, go, finish with the 87. 49 goals in 54 games. Football Writers Player of the Year. Uh, PFA... Players, player of the year. In hindsight, now, would you have given those two trophies up to win that FA Cup winners' medal? Yes, I yeah. think I would. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that record. Obviously, it's an individual mm. record, but um, yeah, when you know, Paul's won the FA Cup. My father's won the FA yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've played in two FA Cup finals, but but haven't won it. So yeah, I think, um, I think I would. Mm. I, you know, uh, I'm proud to have the record that I have and I've, yeah. I've said many times if anyone beats it and Harry looks uh, you know the most likely uh, I'd be the first there to, to congratulate him because they, yeah. they deserve to do it but um, yeah I, I think um, very very proud to win mm. you know to be voted by your yeah. your fellow players to win yeah, the, it's the best player. PFA yeah. it's got to win and, and that season, yeah. obviously, it was a great season. The whole team we had we had um, mm. three of the three of the six were nominated mm. that season. Yeah. Glenn and Chris Waddle as well, and mm. rightly so. Mm. But it was the Norwich game at home that I, I realised I might have a chance. And people say, "Well, why was that?" Well, there was a number of obviously the boys that played at Spurs, Ian Crook, mm-hmm. Mark Bowen, Culver Ian Culverhouse, all Culver oh, went to were, yeah. Norwich. Were, were yeah. playing for Norwich yeah. in the game the mm. game at White Hart Lane, and um, I scored a hat trick in eleven minutes. Mm. And when the third one went in, and, I, and I, honestly, I'd had three touches in the game. Right. And as the third one went, went in, and Crookie was running back with the ball, and he ran past me, he went, you lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, what do you mean? So he said, 
I said, Cookie, you know, there was a bit of banter. Yeah. Cookie, you know, that's my job. That's what I have to do. He <laughs> said, No, he said, You fucking scored a hat trick. He said, And you'll win the PFA award tomorrow night. And that was the first time I thought, What are you talking about? Yeah. He went, well, we've all voted for you. Oh, really? oh, he said, great. You're such a lucky bastard. This is what goes on the pitch. <laughs> Love it. This is what goes Love on that. the pitch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. And even, even on, on the day, uh, I, I, you know, it's one of those you know, amazing, amazing uh, things. Yeah, but actually, if you look at that season, who else was going to win it? I mean, you scored 49 goals, really. I mean, it should have. Who won the league that year? I'm trying to move on the league in 87. Everton. Everton again. Yeah, yeah. Everton did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the next season, ben, Terry came back in, uh, came in from December. You um, scored 13 goals that season in what was generally a disappointing season all round. And here's the sort of thing. Why don't you think you've got that wonderful 87 team? Why, as a club and a team, why don't we kick on that season? It's kind of, again, it sort of, it just... That, that, I know Glenn went to Glenn Monaco left, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, you How can't, frustrating you can't, is you? Glenn and Goff. Great me, team. Yeah. You, you go, this you, is so you, close you to getting now. Let's go for the league. And it just, just disintegrates. Well, you can't, you can't replace Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. And, and that, that was... And, and again, it, it, the, I think the same scenarios have, have repeated itself over the years. You know, um, we've never had another Gareth Bale. We haven't yeah. had another Luka Modric. Mm. And, you know, those, those players... Are irreplaceable. If you lose Harry Kane, you 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 don't you just get him, a goal yeah. scorer and a player mm. like like Harry Kane. So yeah, um, it, it, it's a it's a dilemma that the mm. club have had over the years, yeah. and, and one in which, and and you know, I heard you talking earlier, and I think it really is, it's vital and for me. And I said it two years ago that we needed a, we needed a marquee player. When you say mm. marquee player, you need it. You need a world. Oh, wow, player. when everyone sits up yeah. and goes, oh, he's gone and, to Tottenham. And I experienced it, and mm. it's in the book, and you can read about it with, with, the, with the Tevez story. And I sat in the office when, when Harry said, and, and obviously Tevez had fallen out of bed at Manchester City, and, and Harry had gone to the chairman. He said to him, go and get Tevez, whether we loan him, whether we buy him, take him. You want to be in the Champions League again next season? You go and buy a player like that. Yeah. You go and buy that, that player. It's not, nothing's guaranteed... But those top marquee players are the ones that are gonna, yeah. gonna, gonna lift the team, exactly, are gonna, yeah. gonna take the team and, yeah. and move them yeah. forward. And and I, I said at the start of the season, the Champions League side were brilliant to get to the Champions League, phenomenal achievement. But as a player, when you walk back in that dressing room at the start of this season, and you look round, and the same faces are there, and you think, yeah, I, I you yeah. know, I, my place was pretty well nailed on last year. There's no one here that's really going to threaten me. There was no where you walk in and there's that new face and you just think, yeah. oh, I wonder if he's here to replace me or yeah, yeah. he could take my place and mm. just it's just yeah. it's Freshen what you need. You, you 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 it, it has to happen. Mm. Yeah, and you know I, I thought Liverpool were fantastic. First half were, were fantastic on mm. Saturday, and that was an example. You you like you talk about the players that are, were there. Who are not there now mm. when Klopp arrived, and what what they mm. what they now are from mm. where they were, mm. um, and I think we, I, th- I have to say, I think we've stood still. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I mean, going back to that final season, you left Tottenham. Were you, were you looking to leave when that season Terry? Had, no, you know, the thing in, was I mean, Terry had arrived. It yeah. was the third time that I was going to work with him. I was excited about that. Um, I, I was at the end of a four-year contract. 
and I was letting that contract run down. One, to see, obviously, what the club were going to offer me. And then whether there was... I, I was 28, and I think I'd always in always felt that I wanted to play abroad. I wanted to go and experience that. Mm. And, and if it was going to happen, it would have to happen at 28. That was going yeah. to be my last real opportunity. Well, I want to talk about Bordeaux. Leon, let's, let's make this a part two, because... Uh, if, if that's okay, if you've got another 20 minutes or Absolutely so. Fine, yeah. I want to talk about Bordeaux and obviously your time coaching at Tottenham and the Reserves and you under Martin and, and Harry. So we're going to do a, a part two, if that's okay with everyone here. So for, for now, for the purpose of the recorded podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Clive Allen. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.